Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Pounds to Kilos with me, Ed Morrison. My guest today is Jim Anthonopoulos. He is a good friend of mine and a ripping fellow. And I got Jim on because he was in the situation where he has recently purchased a CrossFit gym. Um, that is, he took over an affiliate that uh, he had been a member of uh, in, in the past. He then went to another affiliate and then the old affiliate came back up for sale and he bought the affiliate. And um, this is something we're seeing more and more of. Um, and I'm really intrigued about um, the challenges that this has within it and um, you know what, what went well for Jim, what didn't go so well, um, what he learned, um, what he would do different if he did it again. And I think it's a really valuable lesson, not just for people who are looking to purchase an affiliate um, or a value episode, I should say, for people who are not just looking to purchase an affiliate, but people who have had an affiliate or an attend an affiliate. There's some really... Um, there's some real nice moments of introspection from, from Jim in this episode where he looks critically at sort of what he did and, and um, the way that it sort of affected the community. Um, and and he's, he's a really honest and genuine guy. And uh, as affiliate owners go, we need, we need affiliate owners like Jim who have their heart in the right place and are just trying to make people fitter. So it was a real pleasure to have him on. It was a real privilege to be at the gym with him. And uh, I hope you enjoy this episode and get something out of it. Keep converting pounds to kilos. Well, it was certainly a bit more orange then, wasn't it? Yes, I actually quite like the blue. Um, talk me through. Uh, can you talk me through the logo quickly? Because it's so prevalent in the gym and when you come into the gym. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. So, did you put some thought into it, or we did? We did. Uh, it explains quite a bit about my family background. My mother-in-law is Spartan. Aha. Right. Thus the. Uh, thus. The and Spartan yeah, that does explain head. that bit. Um, and the courage and the humility um, are two values that I think describe this community. Mm. I wanted those two words to describe what CrossFit Blackburn was about. So, you know, the, the courage to change mm -hmm. and being humble about it. Mm. I think humble is a, a word that a lot of CrossFitters once they've done CrossFit for a while understand that that's an important thing to have, whether it's coaching or being an athlete or whatever it is it's, it's easy to show off in a crossfit gym so you, you got to try to be humble um you have to be open to being humbled mm. because crossfit humbles us the open humbles us yes we all got humbled in our first open that's true that's right? true and in order to progress as an athlete you need to be prepared to be humbled but but life requires that of us too mm -hmm. it's like in a way you can't learn unless you're open to being humble. Can I ask you about the blue? And we're, we're, I'm obviously going to talk to you a lot about the changes that, that you made to the gym, but blue is probably the opposite to the orange that it was. Was, was that the decision behind the blue to, well, to market a change? or Again, I think that blue is close to a Mediterranean blue. Okay. And I think it doesn't have that retina searing effect that the orange did right the, so the orange was sometimes the I, orange felt was half, color, just for those I felt after half an hour in this gym when it was orange it was like you feel like kramer from seinfeld yeah whereas right. this this has a different mood to it um <laughs> and it it does it match it matches well it's calming yes i i would it's certainly more calming than the orange now jim our our viewers and our listeners are going to get a lot from this chat with you because you've you purchased this crossfit gym or you took this crossfit gym over how long ago did you take take it over now like 
Um, I took over late November 2017, so we're approaching the two-year mark. Okay, God, that has gone amazingly quick. The time flies when you're having fun. Yes, and, and you seem to be having a lot of it, and, and that's something that I want to I wanna ask you about so we can get the secret to what it's like to... Not, not the secret, but get an inkling as to what worked and what didn't work for you when you came in here. But, but before, before that, I think it's worth everyone knowing where you came to this position from. So what was, what was life before being an affiliate owner? What, what were you doing beforehand? I lived a very structured existence. Uh, as an athlete, I was a competitive cross-country mountain biker. Right. And uh, to pay my bills, I had developed an e-business software supply chain solution and I ran a business about that. So my existence was very corporate, very right. structured. Yep. I trained very hard. Yep. Um, and in many respects, you know, an individual like yourself might have called me a little bit one-dimensional. Right, okay. I don't call anyone one-dimensional, but no, I, I pick up what you're putting down. You were at CrossFit Diamond Valley training, is that right? So you, you, were, you were doing CrossFit at Diamond Valley and you also had done it here as well at CrossFit Correct. Blackburn. Yep. Yes, so I trained at two different boxes. Um, I did my intro session here in 2014. So I was trading 14 hours a week, but it was mostly on a bike. And I remember right. back then, my intro session involved 15 wall balls and I suffered doms for two <laughs> days. I still suffer right. doms from wall balls, so that, that's why. That, uh, that experience, it was like a eureka moment and I discovered something new um, and, and very soon I became so passionate about CrossFit. CrossFit not only as a way to compete, but you know, CrossFit as the best way to train, the sure. best way to stay fit and healthy. So when did, the, when did the affiliate ownership become something you aimed for? Was it only once this gym became in need of a new owner or had you had aspirations towards that for a while before this opportunity? I went through a personal transformation in 2014. Yep. And I made some very important decisions back then. And one of those was to align myself with the work that was closer to my values. Right. But at that point, being a coach or being an affiliate was still a while away. A while away. Yep. Right? It was down the horizon. But the more I got into CrossFit, and especially after I did my level one. Yes. And I was so inspired by uh, the passion um, of the seminar crew that really was right and I still am to this day and I found CrossFit and coaching and being an affiliate as more than a job it was really a, a vehicle to help people change to help people become better to give them the, the, the best hour of their day I know it's a cliche but it still is what we do yes yes right and that happened to me in 2016 so did you know while you were working on that, that current business, the e-business that you had, did you know that there had to be at some point a change towards something that was closer to your values? For a, for a couple of years, yes. So my advice to people, because everyone has this dream after 15, 20 years in the hamster wheel that they will quit yes. and do something they love. Yep, open a, open a bookshop. And as human beings, yeah, we tend to simplify that, yep. don't we? 
So it goes from this, which is a grind, to something which is amazing. Yeah. That's never real life. Yeah. There's always a transition period, and mm -hmm. we have to take that into. We have to account for that transition period. Sure. And we have to account for the fact that there's going to be challenges okay. either way. Yeah. But we have to have faith in in our vision and our goals that that is ultimately how I want this chapter of my life to be. And we have to have a commitment to see it through. Yeah. We need to have a plan. Right. Let's talk about the plan of taking over CrossFit Blackburn. Um, so when you realised there was an opportunity to purchase the affiliate, what were the few things that you looked for, whether it be the books or the culture or the facility? What were the things that you just knew had to be in place for you to say, yes, I can, I can take over this affiliate? Great question. I had the advantage of, of being a member here for three years old. Sure, okay. Right? So I knew very much what I was getting myself into, but to anyone wanting to make that step, right? And that would be my advice, become part of the community because that is really the only way you can get your finger in the pulse, yes. right? To understand the intricacies of the coaching, the programming, you know, see how the members feel about the place. Sure. So train them. Yes. But then from a due diligence perspective, you want to make sure that the permits are in place. Yes. That the place is not bleeding money. Yeah, okay. Yep. Right? So you want to know what it is that you're getting yourself into, and there's two parts to that. Sure. A, what sort of a gym, what sort of a community am I taking over here? Because this is not just an investment. There's an emotional commitment. Sure. Right? Yep. So you need to know what it is that you're inheriting. But you also want to make sure that the business that you're buying mm. is legitimate. Yes, of course. Um, you didn't speak too much to the, the staff and the, the classes. You, you weren't training at Blackburn at the, at the time, is that, is that correct? I, I was not training at Blackburn at the time that I bought CrossFit Blackburn. I was training at CrossFit Diamond Valley. Diamond Valley. I, I've got a question which will be hard for you to answer, but you can do your best. Do you think you would have bought a different gym that you weren't familiar with? So if, if there was the opportunity to buy a gym that you hadn't trained at, that you weren't familiar with the community or the members, do you think you would have purchased that? Or, or if you do, do you think you would have gone through the same process? I would have purchased a different gym. Okay. I would have purchased a different gym. I was willing to start from new, start yeah, from sure, scratch. Yeah, sure, sure. My commitment was to make this happen. Right. Uh, the fact that CrossFit Blackburn was available for, for sale yep. at the time. Um, to use a, a footballing analogy, you know how uh, people often described Richmond as the sleeping giant before they won sure, sure. a premiership? Yes, before they yes. won a flag? Yes. Right? As much as it works, as Collingwood supporters <laughs> that. And Carlton. Okay. Uh, pushing that aside, that's how I saw this. Right. I, I felt that CrossFit Blackburn has this amazing community, this amazing facility, right. and that it was a giant waiting to awaken. And that's sort of journey that we've undertaken here, that we've embarked on. I want to ask you or harp back to your values. So eventually, the decision to say, yes, I'm going to purchase this, had to line up with your values. So can I ask the question, in relation to your values, why did you end up purchasing CrossFit Blackburn? What are you hoping to achieve in order to satisfy your values, if that makes sense? Simple. This job, this facility, 
allows me to make more of a positive contribution than my previous one. And I feel that. I feel that in the, in the rewards that this job offers me. Sure. What is that reward? I value the trust-based relationships sure. that I get with my members. Yes. I feel privileged that I can make the change in their lives, that I can make them stronger, that I can make them more confident, that I can make them happier. Right. And that, to me, means more than having more. Right. So, I think this is this is a, a frank conversation that's worth having for anyone who is thinking about purchasing an affiliate. Is it fair to say that what you were doing previously was more financially lucrative than potentially what you're doing now? You probably have to talk to my accountant. Okay, sure. Low sure, level sure, detail. Sure, 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 sure. But Definitely. Um, I don't feel that anyone that would invest in an affiliate does so because they desire the lifestyle of the rich and famous, right? right? Yep. So I think that if your goal is A, I'll get an affiliate, and B, private yacht in the Caribbean, that's sure. not how it sure. works out. Sure. Sure. Definitely. It's not, it's not a lucrative business model. Having said that, I feel that Every affiliate has the potential to create a successful business, a successful standalone business, and they should want to do that because that's what will make their business sustainable. Right. Um, let's talk about the first few months of owning a new affiliate. This is challenging for you because I know that you had a, a good relationship with the old affiliate owners and. Um, like you said, you trained here for many years and they gave you the start of, of, of this, but I know, and I'm sure anyone who opens or take, sorry, takes over a gym would know that naturally there's going to be some change when a new owner comes in. How quickly did you want to change things? So I'm going to ask you about specific changes, but was your goal to simply come in at the start and just keep things going the way they were so people didn't feel like you were? I was advised to do that. Okay. Did you do it? No. <laughs> okay, good. That makes for a more interesting podcast anyway. All right, so what was, I'm gonna ask you two things then. What was the first thing you changed? What was the first item on the agenda? This needs to change. From day one? Uh, sure, let's start there. Um, okay. The programming. Before, before you answer for a moment, sorry. Just so we're clear, this, this this information you're giving is, is for anyone, any affiliate that might feel they need to make change. This is not specific to this particular affiliate. It's just your story. Sorry, go ahead. It is, it is historic. And I need to be careful because, you know, it's, it's a year and a half ago now. Yes. And I need to make sure that I'm giving you information that's accurate. Yes. And that it's also helpful. Yes, yes. Right? Um, and fair. Yes. The changes that I wanted to make, uh, can I take a step back and just say sure. that I went into this with the view that my values into this were, this was a business that was steady, but wasn't in any way overwhelming, Okay. right? So that things needed to change because doing more of the same is just gonna have the same result. Sure, sure, right? absolutely. And I was also very committed 
carefully defining what the core product was going to be yes. and focusing on that during the first six months. Right. Right? Okay. To use a simple analogy, that is a baker buying a bakery and saying, I'm all about the bread. Right. I'm not about the vanilla slices. Right. Yeah. I'm not about the coffee scrolls. Sure. I want to make some awesome bread. Right. What was your So problem? that meant the three things, right? What is it that makes the CrossFit core offering awesome? Yep. Programming, coaching, community. So right. that was the first things that I focused on from day one. So it was, our program is going to be different. You know, we're going to have things that make us unique. Sure. Right? And the way we deliver this program is going to be different. And the number one thing, the first thing, the loudest thing we said to people on the day that we took over, it's smart to scale. Right. Okay, so that, that but that's just specific to CrossFit Blackburn, sure. right? Oh, I think it's a great, I think it's a great point for any affiliate. But if that's a point that needed to be reiterated, then obviously that's a great one to make. You said coaching, community, and programming. I feel like that's everything. I feel like that encompasses so much. If you were to look back and think which one had the most profound effect on making this place what it is now? Which, which one is it? Uh, very good question. So which of those three would I prioritise? Yeah. Which one did you prioritise? I cheated. Okay. I cheated because I knew that that question was going to come from you. <laughs> and to make sure that what I'm telling you now would be validated by the people that train here, I asked a few people as they finished the midday session, and I said, Ed's going to ask me this, right? And I'm going to say, I'm going to tell Ed that the biggest change was that coaching became more personalised. Okay. Talk me through... What give, that means? Yeah, what that means. This is what we bar Right. And this is the load. Right. But this is what I feel is ideal for you today. Right. So... You're speaking again to that scaling piece more so. Scaling's so important. Right. It means that our values were training smarter mm. is more important than training more or lifting heavier, right? But that goes back to what we had here before, which was, and I don't mean to offend because this, this place has always had amazing people. Sure. Amazing coaches, amazing members, right? But right back in 2014, it was a case of, if you can try to lift this, you should. Right, right. And we wanted that to turn. So what I'm hearing is you use scaling as a way of beginning to make the program much more personalised. And I can only imagine- And inclusive. And inclusive. And I can only imagine that through scaling, that very much had a, a change on the culture of the place as well. Very much so. Very, very much so. Because that was probably, you know, that was probably a hard thing for people to accept. So I, I had an, an intern, a coaching intern, um, mentioned to me during a class was, uh, yeah, you know, it's a, this person had a good workout even though they chose to scale. Right. And I corrected them and I said that, this person had a good worker because they scaled. Sure, sure. Do you think that for other people taking over other gyms, that it might not necessarily be scaling? It, 
could be something else, but ultimately there's probably a piece of the program that could be done better. And if that's done better, then that sort of becomes the cultural change at, at the same time. Sure. Yes. Um, scaling. I mean, it's a simple concept, right? Yep. But as Einstein said, you know, if you cannot explain something simply, you don't understand, understand it well, well enough. enough. Great right? point. Great and point. that just because something's simple, it doesn't mean that it's not powerful. And it doesn't mean that you can't change a community and a culture based on something simple. Sure. As a matter of fact, it's valuable because it's easy to understand. So, and I had the advantage of having trained here before, which is why my advice goes back sure. to anyone looking to make that leap, is go get to know that place. Mm, See where the opportunities lie. Become intimate with the opportunity. So you, you knew what was missing because, because, you, because you trained here. I'll say missing in my view. Because, sure, sure. You know, yeah. in, um, for a number of, of individuals, um, the changes that I wanted to implement weren't great, right? Well, we're going to ask about that for sure. Um, in fact, what, why don't we do it now? Before I ask about people not loving changes, I know that you have an idea of what the biggest change was. What do you think people noticed as the biggest change? Because I think a lot of people are able to see the changes in programming quite easily. Like they're, they're normally quite objective. Like, oh, we're doing a lot more of A, B, C. Whereas cultural changes are, are more nuanced to, to see. So did, did people notice the change in programming a lot? They noticed the change in how we briefed okay. each session. Sure. That, that happened from week one. Right. And how we, we found that the brief was an opportunity to create access paths between what we've got on the board right. and people. Sure. So right. not just programming, implementation of programming. Implementation and communication. Okay. Okay. Right. And I feel that the fear was like, oh, it's okay that I can do this. Right. Yeah. And then they felt that, you know what, this session felt good. I don't feel broken. Right. I want to train again tomorrow. Love it. Love it. That's important. Let's talk about things that were challenging. Um, you said that a number of people like, well, not a number of people, there were people that didn't like certain changes. What was the most common pushback to the changes you made? What was the most common, hey, I think, uh, I think I'm, I'm okay, leaving Blackburn? Um, for one reason or another, um, people that were very important in this organisation, like the previous head coach, you know, who's a, a lovely human being, um, as you know, with CrossFit, there's loyalties. Sure. Right? Because CrossFit is about community. You know, there's a people bound. come bound. Yeah. And um, we didn't see eye to eye. The sure. direction that I was taking and the direction that they wanted to go in yeah, was slightly different. The same, right? So I think, I think at we that can all point, be mature. That, that happens, yep. Um, I think that for a large number of people, it became a case of if I stick around or if I give this a go. I'm betraying the understand. Right. So they voted with their feet. Did you try to talk those people around or was it very much a, hey, I respect that's where you're at, um, best of luck with... with I, my position was that in order for me to 
prove that my intentions for CrossFit Blackburn and for this community are good, you have to be receptive to it. Sure. Right? Um, and I think that once most people make up their minds... Yeah. Their minds are made up. Yeah, their minds are made um, That's a... I suppose that's not necessarily a change you, you made as such. That's just a, a personnel change. It was a replication. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was a change with a ripple effect. Yes. Right? And I think I'm not the only affiliate in the world. It's a common thing. Right? I, think, I think almost any affiliate that has parted ways with a coach has probably in one way or another had to part ways with some athletes eventually due to that. Maybe not immediately, but, but maybe down the line there's a decision or just don't feel like I'm rolling. Ed, is that, you can philosophise it and say to a certain level that change is difficult. Uh, change is difficult for people, whether it's a good change or bad change. It's, there's always going to be challenges sure. and repercussions. And you've got it, from, from our perspective, it was a case of, this is what I'm going to stand for. Sure. I believe in this. Yes. And that if I don't stand for something, I stand for nothing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was, I've never been happy to see people go, but I understood and I respected people's decisions to do so. I, I know that when you came in here, that you had every intention of, of keeping the current staff, provided that the, the fit was right. Um, how did that initial, how did you, Approach that initial conversation with the staff. Like, what was what was the first thing you said to the staff when you when you met them? There was fragmentation. So, in my case, and I wouldn't wish this sure. on anyone, right? I uh, took over a team that wasn't on the same page. Right. So it was actually the logistics of it. Was it even getting everyone together in the same room? Right. <laughs> I know was, that problem was a challenge. It was like herding cats, but cats that didn't like each other. Right. Right? Right. So it was a case of being transparent and being open about the changes that were going to take place sure. and letting people decide. Yep. At this stage, um, where now we have none of the original people with us. Right. Right. Would you... If I had told you that in 2017, if I had said, Jim, in two years, or a year and a half as it is now, you won't have any of the current staff members working at Blackburn, what would your initial response to that be? Would you be a bit worried that that's how it went down or would you be understanding or how does, how does that sit with you that that's the way the cards have fallen? Because I think that the, um, well, some people leave because their life circumstances Sure, sure, sure. Not because... And I think if you've given me the benefit of sticking around... Yes. Which there were a couple that did, right? Yep. And that during your time with me, I have supported you. Mm -hmm. I have helped you gain knowledge, um, improve your job. I have created a, a happy space for you to work in. And help you experience what a good team is like, functions like, right? Yep. So then our collaboration has been mutually beneficial. Sure. Well, then your life circumstances change and you have to leave, and that's okay. Yes. That's right. That's life. Yes, you know, yes, nothing yep. is forever. Sure. Um, 
So if you're going to tell me that some of them are going to leave because of that, which is what has taken place, sure. I'm comfortable. Yes. Um, but I always knew, I was always aware that taking over, that change was going to be difficult. I was hopeful that I'd be able to keep everyone. Yep. But it didn't eventuate, no. Can I ask you on a personal level, how, how hard was it? Like, I can imagine that that's a confronting situation that would have caused a fair bit of stress and, you know, a little bit of, ang not anxiety, that's probably not the right word, but was it a tough time? I definitely, yeah. definitely. There, there were dark moments. Sure. And um, work. A work environment is still people interacting. Yes. And your words have power, your actions have power, right? And as human beings, we, we're emotional entities. So there's obviously, there's always going to be an emotional impact, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that goes back down to your values, right? So you say, okay, this is difficult. This is a difficult time. Sure. I didn't expect it to be this difficult. Yeah. Yes, I didn't yes. expect it to be this. But I believe in what I'm doing. I have great support, good friends, I have great support at home, I have sources for good advice, and I know that what I'm doing will ultimately end well. If you have that faith, that keeps you going. What I do know, and I suppose this is the positive, is that you've got a team now that you're very pleased with. And they're a great coaching team. I, I'm familiar with the vast majority of them, I believe. Um, when you had that opportunity to start implementing new staff, um, what, what were you looking for in terms of, like, I guess this is the question I'd like to ask. If, if you were looking for a new staff member now, they'd be coming into a, an affiliate that's already established. But did you look for different traits because of the situation that you were in? Did you look for stronger personalities because you knew that it was a volatile situation that you'd just sort of taken over and were in the first few months? Or did you simply just have to get people you knew could coach in the door? Again, it pays to have a support network um, where people can get referred, right? Sure. I think at the start, the things that I was looking for at the start are different to what I would look for now. Okay, interesting. Talk, talk me through that, because that, that fascinates me. Well, two years ago, um, we were relatively new yep. to the CABA, yep. and it was enough to find somebody that I could trust, somebody that would align with those values that I was about, somebody sure. that was familiar with the programming and the culture and the sort of coaching that I wanted implemented here. Yep. You know, that was tick, tick, tick. You're in. Yep. Suit up. You're on. You're in. My view now is that I would love the opportunity to help develop somebody like that. Okay. Sure. Right? That, that makes perfect sense to me. So you need seasoned campaigners on the job at first. And now you've you've got the opportunity to now I have the luxury to devote time into development, right? Mm. And to mould more special people that can do this job of coaching that we love so much. Sure. Right? Yes. So you know, who makes a good coach? Somebody that puts their hand up and said, you know, I want to help others, it's not just about my own training. Sure. Right? Sure. And then you say, you know what? There's no there's not one one set way of doing this. But I can open up to you how I do it. And yes. And then you can build your own brand on that. Sure. Right? Sure. 
I was less open to doing that a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, of course, yeah. Right, because you're putting out fires, spot yep. fires, left, right and centre. You've yep. got 25 members moving out. You've got a huge facility upgrade yep. to coordinate. You want to make sure that everything's happy. You know, you're not, you're not sitting in the position where I am now where you're relatively assured that there's light at the end of the tunnel mm. and that light is not a train. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. Um, and I think it's not realistic to expect that you would get into an affiliate. You would become an affiliate owner and that from day one, you would be sitting where I am now. That yeah. you, would be, you would be right to consider yourself extremely fortunate sure. if that is the case. Sure, sure. Um, on your personal journey as a coach, because th- throughout all of this, one thing we haven't mentioned is that you were still developing yourself as a, as a coach. You were relatively new to coaching. Absolute newbie. And how much time were you able to devote to the craft of coaching slash the craft of being an affiliate owner? Or did, did you view them as one and the same, same thing? They're definitely not the same. Okay. Um, I think coaching is the most enjoyable part of the job. Sure. I think being an affiliate owner involves a lot of nitty-gritty work that is less fun. You're not the p- first person to say that on this no, show. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm yeah. probably not the first person yep. to say that. But um, being an affiliate owner is important. How so? This business is important. So you are custodian of an important entity. Sure. Right? Because this business changes lives. Right? So I feel a need and a duty to make it sustainable so that it can continue to exist and continue to help people, right? Did your coaching development um, not suffer, that's the wrong word, but was your development as a coach slightly slower? because you had to put so much emphasis onto the affiliate role of, of the transition? Or were you able to still coach a huge amount of hours? Or, or was it too overwhelming to do both of those oh, things? I think you need to make a commitment to learning, to continuous learning. Sure. Um, and I was okay with, with being structured. I'm used to being very busy, right? So I used to put time aside. And um, there were times where I'd go see Adam. Sure. Richmond, yep. heaps out of him, our discussions together, sure. you know, were very, very helpful. Um, you need to align yourself with people that can teach you. Um, I, I work a lot with Lester, which has helped me with Olympic sure, weightlifting. Sure. Right? You, and you to. need to invest that time because the minute you stop, I think that the minute a coach says, I know enough, yep. That's the start of going sure. down. So I don't think that I'll ever stop seeing myself as a newbie mm. or a rookie, mm. as a learner, because I think that that's how I can best offer service. So your advice, I guess, to somebody who goes into that affiliate ownership role of a new gym is... Put time aside to keep learning. Yeah, so don't don't abandon ship on the coaching prowess piece, otherwise it, it's going to flow across to all aspects of the gym. Look... <sighs> The previous owners did not coach. Sure, okay. And if you ask the people that trained here, that was unusual. Mm. Um, It wasn't ideal. Sure. Um, And coaching is, well, as an affiliate owner, as a business owner, coaching is your best opportunity to create relationships with your customers. 
and how to make a difference and how to help them. That's your core offering. You need to be involved with coaching. You need to make yourself a great coach. I have a question for you on that. I know of a few gyms where um, the affiliate owner isn't coaching, but they still have that sort of mentor coaching role to athletes, but not in the official way of um, necessarily taking a session. Do you think that that can work for an affiliate owner? Definitely. Okay, so there's, there's shades of grey. Well, there's, there's, there's um, yes, there's plans in place where, you know, I could at some stage... Um, Step back a little bit. Uh, be second man on the ground. So, okay. Right, there's, there's an opportunity to do that. Yep. Um, having said that, I love coaching the Saturday morning yeah. other class. Yes, yes, yeah. Right? I'm very territorial about that, and sure. it will take a lot for me to give that class away. Right. I think it's an interesting... I'm, I'm really fascinated by this conversation because what I'm hearing is that there's a distinction between taking a class and coaching people, and, and you can coach people without necessarily taking classes if you're in the affiliate and, and, and constantly there being able to touch base with people. Uh, and that brings me to my next line of questioning. I, I know that a big part of what you wanted to instill here was getting to know people and getting to know the membership base. And, and you often talk to me that one of the most important things that you wanted your coaches to do was just to simply get to know the members, ask them how they are. Was that, was that key to the transformation of, of Blackburn, that, that sort of change there. And that's an ongoing transformation. Right. I, I want my coaches to develop relationships with the members. I feel that getting somebody to read a workout off the board and explain scaling options and high five at the end, that's that's template cookie sure. cutter coaching. Sure, right? sure, sure. But seeing your coaching as an opportunity to develop a network, develop a connection with a human being, getting to know them as a person, coach that person mm. I think that's next level and I think that that's an opportunity that not many take right but I think it should be a priority and it was something that we were discussing before how important is it to coach the person yes and then coach CrossFit yes. then coach the member. yeah CrossFit is the the stimulus that you give the person you're coaching it, it is it is and um, people will trust you if you coach them as a person do you know what? I'm going to do a bit of a 180 right now because we're, we're talking, I guess, about getting to know people and, and sort of some deep philosophical coaching questions. But I think it would be remiss of me to not ask you for our listeners about some of the financials in terms of the, the gym. Now, I know that when you took it over, talk me through some of the things you invested in. So there was a... There, there was, okay, there's the paint job that we can clearly see. The bathrooms as well? Well, yes. There's, what have we changed? Yeah, what have, what have you changed? Yeah, from a, from a brick and mortar point of view, what have you changed? Equipment. So we've got new barbells, bumper plates, fiber salt bikes, JHDs. Sure. So there's equipment. There's sure. a lot of new equipment. Sure. Wall walls. In terms of the facility, um, change rooms, a member breakout area, kitchenette, sure. showers, infrared sauna. Infrared sauna. Infrared sauna. Um, uh, I feel that there's a, a gentrification that's oh, okay. taking place. I like that. Right? Website. Okay, so change of website, yep. Absolutely. You know, yep. there's a... 
as an affiliate, I think one of the questions that was invariably going to come my way was that what sort of changes did you have to make that you didn't think would require change? Yeah, didn't yeah. think we're going to be that much That's work. a great question. I wish I'd asked it. Now that you've asked it, can you answer it for me? Okay, sure. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, the 21st century, as we talk about a digital existence, right? Sure. You need to make sure that as a business owner, you understand what are my customer contact points. Right. right? Now, there's digital customer contact points. Sure, so that sure. means that there's a social media presence. Absolutely. There's a website presence. And you really need to separate yourself. You need to understand that those things are important. It might not be important in ways that you could quantify. Yes. But they have a huge strategic significance. Okay. Perception is reality. So you need to have that. And I didn't understand how much work it is to maintain a consistent yes. presence. I think uh, a lot of modern businesses are finding it hard to keep up that content and they often outsource that type of content. Um, your social media presence is, is quite strong. You guys release, release a lot of good content. Was that always the goal as soon as you took no, over? Or no, did you only realise it, you, no, you it down the track? Look, and, and again, without uh, wanting at all to sound you know, disrespectful, sure. the previous social media presence was incidental. Okay. So it was either you know, you'd have a coach topless. Sure. Sure. Linking 100 cleans, power cleans, or handstand walking. Or linking 100 power cleans? Yeah, 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 yeah I, I know sessions, right? Yeah. Whereas what we decided, that, look, you know, that's not what we want to portray going forward. Like, yeah. It has to be about the members. It has to be about all these heroes that come in here and have the courage to change, you know, and we've got to respect and acknowledge their efforts and be passionate about that and sure. reward them. Sure, sure. Right? So we made that change. You're going to ask me about the financials as well. Well, you never go into this. Of, uh, no, I, I don't necessarily want a, a dollar, dollar figure, but I suppose, I, I, were the financials what you expected? The finances, yes, they were, simply because it's not hard to do the arithmetic. Okay. Right? So you've got so many members. It yep. is, isn't it? Yep. You've got so many members. You know that the lease is going to cost you this much. You've got the insurance, the affiliate fees, the software fees, yep. right? Cleaning, etc. Add a buffer and very roughly your coaching costs. Yep. Cool. You know what your balance is going to right. be, Dark, right? right. Um, I think where most affiliate owners can grow if they step back and start looking at their organisation in terms of a set of processes, right? right? Yep. And learn to abstract that admin and say, okay, for my organisation to be successful and sustainable, this is what I need to achieve. These are the sort of numbers I need to achieve. Right. Then break that down and say, how do we achieve that? Right. How do we get that? Sure. How do we make that journey from here to there. What is the time frame? What are the resources that I need to dedicate to this? And what sort of advice, what sort of information do I need that will help me make this happen? Understand that there's going to be an element of risk sure. because that's life, that's nothing life, yep. ventured, nothing gained. gained, and just back yourself to execute. I think that 
every great success in life requires us to somehow overcome some fear, some self-doubt, and just give it a go. And, you know, I didn't want to get to the stage where you get to the end of the chapters mm. and you reflect on the fact that I had an amazing opportunity to do something different there. And I was shit scared. <laughs> I was going to ask you how scared you were, actually, how much fear there was. But I kind of know because you were very honest about that. And I think, I think one, of your, one of your superpowers is that you are very honest about that vulnerability. And, and that vulnerability brings about some strength. And Jim, we're going we're gonna to wrap things up. And I'm going to wrap things up with a, qu a question which I hope you can take this whatever direction you want to take it. You talked before about perception versus reality. When you came in here, I'm sure there's some things that needed to be changed, and then I'm sure there's some things that maybe didn't needed to be changed, but you wanted to change them so that people could see, hey, we're changing. What was the, what was the ratio between those two, two things? How many things needed to be changed, and how many things did you just change just to put your new stamp on, on things and let people know? That you are a velvet sledgehammer. <laughs> you really are. That the only person I've ever heard describe like that is Matthew Lloyd. That is a very confronting question because it forces me um, to look back on that period. And because I respect you, I'm going to have to be honest and say that I didn't have to change as much as I actually did change. I, I like that as an answer. And I, I, think, I still think that you changed the right amount, but, but go on. That is subjective. Um, sure. Arguably, I could have kept going exactly as it was. Would I be feeling the same satisfaction that I feel now? Mm. The answer is no. Would I be able to look you in the eye and say, I'm damn happy with what I've achieved? Mm. Right? No. But I didn't have to change. No one was holding a gun to my head saying, you know, you have to do this with the programming, you have to do this with sure. the coaching, because the people here really didn't know any better or different. Sure. But maintaining the status quo is not why I invested in this place in the first place. Mm. Mm. Jim, it's been a pleasure. Ed, it's always a pleasure. <laughs>